This episode of the All Things Go podcast is presented by Atlas Hair. Are you ugly? Yeah, we thought so. Lucky for you, we've got something for that. Atlas is an elite line of hairstyling products with cologne fragrances to help quaff that mop into something straight out of Hollywood and smell like you're the guy she's going home with tonight. Half of our products also contain a hair thickening ingredient to help those of us who are getting a little thin up top to make the most of what we got. Get started today at atlashair.com and use the promo code NASCAR for 20% off your entire order. We can't fix your face, but we can at least give you a fighting chance. Atlashair.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-H-A-I-R.com. Welcome in to the All Things Go podcast, episode 32. I'm your host, Derek Yoder, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Murphy, Brian underscore Murphy underscore on Twitter. And Brian, we don't have to deal with weather this weekend. That is now in the past with last week. And uh, Martin Truex obviously came out and dominated on Monday or Monday Truex as, as people are Monday Martin, I should say, as people are calling him. Uh, so how are you doing and uh, ready to get after it again here for episode 32? Yeah, I still can't get over how good my mic sounds. Man, it's been, what, it's, like we talked about, 10 months of just mediocre, barely uh, could understand true. what I'm saying, and and here we are, finally got this hooked up. So, uh, but yeah, I was I was really excited to see Martin win, um, you know, for the first time, you know, being out of the Cup Series or directly connected with the team. Uh, I kind of celebrated a little win there by predicting you the did. winner of the race. So uh, it, was, it was kind of exciting. Um, you know, Monday's race, we had it on the shop uh, as we were working and, you know, I thought it was a great product. I thought the race was fantastic. I love New Hampshire and it was a, you know, is is a great New Hampshire race. So, yeah. Um, but today we went, uh, to let everybody know, we finally went and picked up Francis today from Landon Huffman. So I am super pumped right now. I just got home. Uh, we spent six hours in the car today running around and picking her up and all that. So she is finally at Babyface Fabrication, and uh, I can say this weekend I can go do some cutting and grinding. Oh, that's cool. I I'm really looking forward to seeing that progression, especially as you're posting on Twitter and the story behind uh, Francis that you are uh, tied to, your first chassis that you worked on with that. And uh, you know, let's do this. Let's uh, bring on a, a very special guest and uh, to the show here tonight, and it's Toby Christie, uh, editor-in-chief uh, and founder of tobychristie.com and editor-in-chief with Racing America. Toby, you and I have connected at the track a few times and uh, in Atlanta. It was just a quick passing, but uh, how are you doing? And thank you so much for joining us here on the show tonight. Yeah, man, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And it, 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 we've met each other a couple times on the track. It's always cool to run into you because you're always in such a good uh, good spirit. Uh, I I, seriously, that. I don't think I've met a person happier at a racetrack than Derek. So it's, uh, it's always fun to see. And uh, Brian, it's cool to see you here too, and it's good to see you've got the uh, the microphone stuff figured out. So uh, I sound bad this week, which will be great. So that's good. <laughs> I, I don't think you good. sound bad at all. No, you don't sound bad. I think all three of us are are sitting pretty here with our with our mics. Uh, Toby, were you in uh, New Hampshire at all? I was not. So uh, okay. I was I was kind of enjoying that one from the house. I've done uh, yeah several this year, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I try to get to about 15 a year. So that, uh, okay. that wasn't on my list. Although I'm with Brian, I think it was a really good race. Uh, I know we yeah. had Truex kind of dominate things, but there's a lot of moving and shaking throughout the field. A lot of good strategy. 
Um, and I, I liked how this race turned out. So this might be one on my list for next year because uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed the race. Yeah, I I was as well, especially, you know, being able to see, I was hoping to see more tire fall off, uh, like Goodyear was saying, hey, with that test and some of the drivers was hoping to see that element kind of come through. But still, with the next gen car, you know, typically, if we would have been in the gen six product, we would have been seeing that leader getting out to a much longer lead, uh, whereas the gen seven kind of keeps cars at bay a little bit more. Yes, Truex was more of the dominating car. And at times it was Byron, sometimes it was Chris Bell, he was coming up through the field a whole bunch and then joey logano and uh ryan blaney at the end those two penske fords were uh kind of in the mix there throughout so like you said that might be a bucket list item for you to kind of put on your list last week but obviously you were busy last week it was a very busy week for you you made an announcement uh go ahead and tell the people uh kind of what you got going on and then we'll i kind of want to hear some of your history about how you got into the sport yeah, no. So the big news of the week was, uh, you know, Racing America has added me to their staff as their editor in chief. Uh, we've been kind of helping them out with some content uh, since February, I think around Daytona time. Uh, they kind of mm -hmm. needed some help on the NASCAR side of things to kind of draw some content over there. And so we've been helping them out and, uh, you know, things have gone really well. We've all kind of mashed uh, together pretty well. The whole team and everything get along very well. Communication's good. And they were like, you know what? Uh, you want to do this? And I was like, sure, let's do it. So, uh, uh, it's been the culmination of a lot of hard work from uh, a lot of people that uh, made the deal happen, and uh, we're excited to get it, to get it going. Well, that's really cool. I'm happy for you. I know the team that you've built, um, you know, with on your website alone and just some of the individuals that you have there. So to now be able to see a, a kind of have an additional role to what you do on a weekly basis and especially in the social media world where, you know, information is key and uh, building those trust relationships amongst the, the garage as well is uh, key. But, you know, from a you know, getting into the sport, uh, kind of where are you from and how did you get into motorsports or was NASCAR the first one that you kind of dipped your toes into? Yeah, so I'm a native Texan. So I was born in okay. Carrollton, Texas, uh, was raised in the colony, Texas, and lived in Fort Worth, Texas all the way up until 2021. Uh, so Cowboys that's kind of where I'm... I am not. So that's the funny thing. A lot of people always ask me that. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I picked them when I was young and it's been no. uh, kind of hell ever since, although we've got a really nice uh, roster they're building right now. So I'm pretty excited about that. We'll see if things turn around. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, no, I've never been a never been a Cowboys fan. Didn't uh, didn't fall in the same category as everybody else uh, okay. from where I was from. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. So no, uh, NASCAR. Uh, I started following it as a fan in '93. We had our uncle came over who was a huge NASCAR fan and for the Daytona 500 and said, "Hey, let's all get together and watch it." So I'm like four or five, whatever however old I was, and uh, I was just just enthralled by it because you had the Dale and Dale show at the end. You had Rusty flipping through the air. I mean, there's so much in that race that was going on. And it was like, okay, this is pretty exciting. So even at four or five, I was like, man, this is pretty cool. And so it just kind of blossomed from there, just grew a huge, uh, a, a huge, like I just became a fan. I mean, it was just amazing to watch. And every race had that big race feel week after week. You had Ken Squire, all those guys, and then Jarrett talking about the race each week. And it was really cool. Uh, and then from there, you kind of just keep building your your fandom and stuff like that. And you get to a point where all your favorite drivers and stuff are retiring. And you're like, man, I still like the sport, but like maybe there's something more here for me. You know what I mean? Like maybe I should do something with this. And so uh, around 2007, a uh, year after I graduated high school, I was like, you know what? Uh, I found a couple of things where I could uh, you know, write about the sport. It's just kind of like a hobby uh, while I was doing other work and stuff like that. And so I did that and uh, it kind of took off. It picked up by a couple other outlets around 2010. Uh, started doing some podcasting stuff and things like that and bounced around to a bunch of different outlets over the years. And 
kind of was turning my wheels a little bit, wasn't making much progress. Uh, and then in 2019, I decided, you know what, I'm just gonna make my own outlet and see what happens. Uh, so we made tobychristian.com January 1st, 2019, and I uh, got lucky along the way. COVID hit at the right time for us, uh, which kind of helped us focus a lot on the website. Uh, Jayski had their little shutdown as well when we first started off, which really helped us uh, in the early going as well. So a lot of lucky things happened along the way, but uh, you know we kept working at it, and all of a sudden now the website's taken off and things have gotten to where they're at now. <laughs> Toby, I remember, I think we met, you came to the shop the week that you actually moved from Texas. Um, you know, since then, you've seen your platform grow a large amount, obviously, and, and now you're, you have ties with Racing America. Maybe talk about that transition from that week that you had showed up to North Carolina to where you are today. Yeah, and I'd still appreciate you inviting me over and doing that. That was really, really cool. I got to really see a lot of aspects, uh, especially about the next-gen car that I wasn't aware of before we we did that. So that was really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just from where we are now to where we were then, I mean, it's just insane. Uh, I knew it would be a big difference moving from Texas to North Carolina, being kind of in the heart of things. Uh, I knew it would help. Uh, but just to be able to go anywhere when there's an announcement, uh, you know, scheduled somewhere, I can just immediately go down to the Hall of Fame, take care of it or go somewhere else. I can meet somebody at a race shop. I can do an interview here. I can do this, that and there, everywhere. I mean, it's it's incredible. So for people, when you hear to be in the North Carolina area is crucial to your job when you're trying to be, you know, a motorsports journalist and stuff like that. It truly is because you can do a lot of stuff from afar, but there's a lot of stuff that it really helps and makes things a lot easier uh, when you're closer to the action. Plus, being on, on the East Coast, you can get to about 15 races pretty easily just from driving. You don't have to worry about a bunch of travel. You can get back to home to your family at the end of the race and stuff like that. So it's uh, a lot of benefits to being on the East Coast, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about Racing America and and you know you stepping into that new role with a, a new platform, a new company. What are some of the goals and um, things that you'd like to achieve over there with that group? Man, I'd love to just keep building them up. They're obviously well known for their short track coverage. They, uh, they stream tons of short track racing. Uh, they're kind of one of the, the big uh, three, or maybe it's four now at this point, they're, they're covering a bunch of short track stuff. Uh, so we want to keep bolstering that coverage. So we've got resources on our end with our staff to kind of help them fill in some of the gaps where maybe they didn't have people uh, in place that could get some of the extra stories they were trying to cover. Uh, but on the other end, we can also help them kind of build their NASCAR portfolio as well. Uh, there's a huge market to be tapped there for those guys because they've got all the short track stuff. You get a bunch of NASCAR stuff in there as well. And you've got a couple of different audiences and there's a lot of overlap between those two audiences of people who love short track racing as well. So you can possibly gain a whole bunch of the NASCAR fan base to start watching a lot of these really awesome local short track shows they've got going on over there. So uh, I think the biggest thing is just growing the audience. Uh, I know they've got a really decent audience to start with, but we bring in our NASCAR crowd as well uh, and do a lot of the same things that have you know, done really well for us over at TobyChristie.com. Uh, I, I think it'll really help them a lot. You know, one thing as we're talking here, I'm thinking about, and, and Brian, this is really for you, maybe, uh, you know, with the teams right now, NASCAR is primarily in the Charlotte area where you are, uh, Toby and Brian. Um, does Do teams still need to be in the Charlotte area with this next gen car or Maybe is this a, a product that could be throughout, you know, teams could be out throughout parts of the country. We know Trackhouse uh, is prevalent out in the Nashville area. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think Brian's more suited to answer that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's it's very important. You know, we, we always talk about how different NASCAR is than any other stick and ball sport where 
regions or cities or areas can can cheer for a team or um you know an entity and, and really create this local um you know this this local feel and this local culture uh unfortunately i just don't think this next gen car is going to change you know what we see currently or, or saw in the past where you know the majority of the teams are in the charlotte area for logistical reasons whether it be people parts um information uh wind tunnels technology all of that so uh, you know, I, I think even with the next gen car, it might even be worse where, you know, the, a lot of the updates have to come through technique, which is in Concord, North Carolina. A lot of the parts and pieces, a lot of the vendors are here in Charlotte. So uh, especially with the low car counts that now teams are allowed to have, I just I don't think you're going to be able to see a team in Denver, in Seattle, in Wisconsin, in in Dallas. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we have, uh, you know, definitely solidified that Charlotte, North Carolina is going to be the hub for the NASCAR teams. Yeah, and I, I, you, I echo that because when they first announced Next Gen Car, I did get excited about that because I remember when Furniture Row was out there in the, the Colorado area, yeah. there was a lot of like just rallying around that team specifically in the local area. And so when I heard the Next Gen Car and the concept of it, I was like, okay, this is a thing where people could possibly get everything kind of shipped to them. So it would mm-hmm. make sense. But like Brian's saying, there's a lot of stuff you still rely on here in the area, especially vendor stuff and, and just other parts and pieces you got to be able to get to really quick uh, if something breaks or something goes wrong. So uh from that aspect unfortunately it doesn't look like it's the better option but man i was i was excited about that too i had the same thought process on that Derek. which which you know i think um you know we still have you know drivers where they're from you know uh, a lot of yeah. people cheer for kevin harvick's jimmy johnson's uh you know the the california drivers they they bring a lot of california fans same with the southern people the northeastern people ryan priest we see a lot of northeastern push and support from that area for ryan so uh you know, it's not necessarily uh, uh, a regional loss there, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't think we'll, we'll ever be able to see a, a hometown team uh, somewhere else. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's just something to think about, uh, you know, especially with this car. We're able to kind of have different elements with it and where teams are able to do different things. So it's always, you know, those kind of questions uh, are, are always interesting to me. Toby, how about from this, you know, 2023 season, we have about six or eight races to go till the uh, end of the regular season. What's been your assessment so far this year? There's been a lot of storylines and there's a lot of storylines leading up, obviously, to the end of the playoffs here. A couple guys winless uh, in particular. Uh, what's kind of been your assessment of the season thus far yeah i mean i think uh i think the ford teams will admit that they were behind uh the eight ball for a good portion of the early part of the season looks like some of them are really starting to get it now uh some of the penske mm-hmm. cars like you guys mentioned earlier started to move forward this week we've been seeing a lot more of that you know eric almarola had a really good uh shot this weekend had it not been for the loose wheel uh, yeah you know, who knows what we're talking about with him uh so the Fords are starting to get it a little bit, but I still think the the story of this year has been Martin Truex and, and William Byron. They've both been kind of those guys that you look at, and you're like, man, you got the the young lion and you got the old vet, and they're mm-hmm. kind of battling it out here. And uh, they both look like the favorites. But as we've seen in this format, you know, Harvick had nine wins back in 2020 and didn't make championship four with the way this thing's set up. So uh, you really don't know uh, until we start getting into those playoff races what's going to happen. But uh, as yeah. it's going, I think those are the two guys right now. I think that was a little bit of a gut punch there for Brian when he brought up the uh, all the wins with Kevin Harvick and yeah, <laughs> didn't one. make the championship that year. That one hurt hey, didn't yeah. a little bit, Brian. I had it hurts Brian, but man, I, I still hate that season. <laughs> I, I had already yeah. went and bought my box for my championship ring and, <laughs> and spent the bonus money. Man, I felt like every championship I've won in any series, I'm telling you, when UARA and uh, Hooters broke up in the trucks, I've always not been able to make the, the um, championship 
ceremony mm-hmm. or celebration wherever it was or maybe we just didn't have it and so that was the year of COVID. And i'm like this is it they're not going to be able to have a championship celebration we are just poised to to win this championship <laughs> there's nobody even close this is my year i'm finally going to get it and man was it just ripped from my heart boy was martinsville was i talk about moments um you know when i left Stuart Haas, you know, getting in my car, I cried like a baby. I'll tell you what, when that checkered flag flew at Martinsville, I went upstairs and I cried like a baby. I, that one, mm-hmm. that one will, I'll carry that one around for the rest of my life for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I was on the team, so I don't know like how big of a heartbreak it is on the team. I can only imagine, but for a guy to complete all but three laps during an entire season, win nine mm-hmm. races and all that stuff, I just, it just still does not feel right. Uh, I understand what they're trying to do with the playoff format, but that was the one season where I was like, okay, this format is not fun. I don't like that. <laughs> so, so then how about this is what would be a tweak that maybe you would make to kind of make it, uh, you know, kind of reward somebody like if Kevin Harvick or somebody would go out and win all those races. And obviously he, you know, he didn't get there. Maybe it'll happen again at some point. It, would there be uh, a tweak or two that you know, Toby Christie would want to kind of stir up a little bit? Man, I mean, that's the that's the good question because they've kind of put things in place where if you win a race in each round, no matter how you do during that round, you're in. So at that token, you know, yeah. you've got nine wins going in the playoffs. If you win, you know, one in each round, no matter what you do, you get through. Um, so they've kind of got that put, you know, in there. But you have weird situations like at Texas, he was out there leading. Harvick was, and they had the rain going. Uh, and mm-hmm. he's the first guy coming through because the leader and slaps the wall, and that kind of dooms his day there. He's already behind the eight ball for the next couple of races. Yep, and it just really doomed him. So uh, it's one of those things where you can't really control all of that, and it's kind of hard to plan for all of that. But I, I have always loved the the season long championship battle myself. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think we needed a playoff format. Um, but then when they did install the playoff format, I liked the original chase uh, better than what we have now, just because it seemed a little bit more mm-hmm. like a, a thing that rewarded consistency and, and longevity through a, a ten race run, which I liked. Um, but again, I understand what they're trying to do. They want that game seven moment. Uh, so I get it. But it also, you know, you're looking at NBA, you're looking at NFL, all the other sports. There's not always a game seven. You know right. what I mean? So why do we always have to have a game seven each year? But that, that's where we are. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. Like you said about the game seven element, like doesn't always happen in baseball. doesn't always happen in basketball. Um, so, yeah, but it's, it's something to think about because, you know, as contracts or the TV deals and all that stuff, like all these conversations are going to be had with the drivers, the teams, et cetera. You never know what anybody's going to put out there and say, Hey, we want to see a tweak here or there. Um, how about in your world, Toby, you know, I know obviously, uh, and we've had a couple people on where, you know, talked about, Hey, you're given a lot of information. There's a lot of trust that has to be built throughout the garage and teams, et cetera. Uh, is that more challenging now nowadays with as social media as it continues to grow? Or is it a little easier with, hey, I'm able to kind of scoop this information here and there. Yes, I have to kind of keep it guard and trusted. But uh, just kind of curious to hear from a media side is what's that like nowadays? Yeah, I will say from a media standpoint, it's hard because yeah. um there are so many people that are somewhat knowledgeable that are somehow not, they, they make friends, they get, you know, sources themselves, even though they're not media members. So they're not held to standards. They don't have to have multiple uh, firsthand sources saying this, that, and the other, and they'll take to Twitter and just start spouting out everything we're already hearing, but we can't get all the things we need to be able to break a story. Um, And so from that aspect, and it's like, dang, it's, it's out there. So that kind of ruins what I'm working on here. Um, Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, like it's not a full 100% confirmation either. 
Uh, but I, I think the aspect of the social media thing does make it harder when people are kind of in the know that are able to kind of bounce around and just kind of throw things out there. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I'm sure you had the same stuff before that. People were walking around tracks mm -hmm. talking about stuff anyway. So mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, just do your work. And if you can get it to get it first and, and get it right, which is the more important part, uh, that's 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 great. So, I mean, there's just a lot to it. Yeah, and for me, I feel like you guys, especially in the media side of NASCAR, have such a tough job. I mean, we look at all the other shows, talk shows, debate shows, um, the media members throughout the NFL, NBA, ML, MLB, and all that. And, and I feel like they don't get as much heat as the NASCAR media members do when they maybe break a story or, or share some content that a, a team has yet to share or, or whatever it may be. I mean, I can go and, and listen to the herd first things first. Uh, a lot of these sports shows and, and a lot of it is is them breaking news or, or the things they've heard and it just rolls on day by day no issue i see a lot of hate towards the nascar media side when it comes to sharing information or or breaking news or or things like that what i mean how does that how do you go about your business um respectfully but also you know you want to be the first you want to be the guy that is sharing the most, the best, the the most valuable information. Yeah, it's really hard. And I understand a lot on sponsorship announcements, driver announcements, stuff like that, because these teams work really hard on setting up their own announcements. So I get when they get defensive about those kind of things. Uh, at the end of the day, though, that's also our job. Uh, and if somebody didn't, uh, that was a firsthand source, doesn't say something, the story never gets printed. So um, we're doing our jobs and it is a tight balancing act because you don't want to blow up anybody's announcement. That's not, we're going out going, ah, how can I mess up, uh, you know, Stuart Haas racing, uh, saying this, that, the other, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to go out there and mess up things for people. That's not what we're going out to do. We're going out to provide a service to the people who read our, our, our outlets. That's the whole point. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a weird balancing act, but I do agree with you. I don't, I don't think the other sports get the, the same kind of blowback we usually do when we're breaking things. And a lot of that is, I think, just because these sponsorship announcements and stuff like that, in particular, uh, you you put it out there a little too early before things are 100% signed, and there's a chance that sponsorship falls yeah, apart. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things at play here that you don't see in other sports. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you say DeAndre Hopkins going to the Patriots, he's not going to not go to the Patriots because, you know, Adam Schefter said it or whatever. He's still going to go to the Patriots if he's wanting to go to the <laughs> Patriots or wherever he's going. So uh, it, it's one of those things where – the NASCAR media is in a weird spot where if you do say something just slightly early, even if it looks like everything's 100% done and it's not, everything's not 100% signed, uh, there's a real chance you've messed something up for somebody. So um, I, I do get the 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 feeling from some people on some of those things. Mm -hmm. Interesting. No, that's, you know, those are always elements that I'm curious about because in this side of the world, you know, it's always, you, you see, th you see people on Twitter, you see different uh, media representatives, and I'm always curious how that world uh, is for you all, especially in this day and age, especially with social media. I, yeah. I want to get Pocono here in a minute, but I want you to kind of talk about your team over at tobychristie.com. I've gotten to know uh, Taylor Kitchen a good bit, uh, great individual, great, you know, passionate uh, person. Brian actually was on her show, uh, like, two years ago or something like that. But I know there's so many other people that are helping uh, you not only do what you need to do, but bring awareness to the site. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity before we get into Pocono, to just talk about uh, your team a little bit. Yeah, I appreciate that. We've got a really talented team. Uh, and it's got a people that, I don't know if you call them like the, the, the Island of Misfit Toys or whatever, but 
I guess because I was bouncing around the, the industry for so long, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for people I see that are talented that people just don't take chances on. Um, so that's why I bring in the people like Taylor and Joseph Shrigley, who's my right-hand man over there. He's been uh, like a rock star since day one. I mean, he came in, he was DMing me like, like nonstop trying to get a job. And uh, I finally you know, caved and was like, sure, come on, help me. But uh, it was through me watching him on social media and seeing the yeah. things he was doing. He was chasing a lot of the things I was chasing. I kind of picked up from Twitter, like tweets that he was putting out there. That he was getting close to some of the things I was working on. I was like, you know, this guy's pretty good. And he always had really good stats and stuff. I was like, why didn't he just do this for me? So after him DMing me like five times, I finally was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do this. Come on over. And mm -hmm. uh, so we did that. I mean, he was only 18 or 19 at the time. I mean, a really young dude just in, had like maybe like 200 Twitter followers. So it was one of those things where it was like, nobody's found this guy yet. He's doing a great job. Let me just give him a shot and see what happens. And I've been proud of what he's done mm -hmm. and uh, how he's grown as a writer since he's come in. Uh, we've got Ben Branscombe has been helping us with our ARCA content this year. He's been doing a great job. Uh, Artez Kelly uh, goes out to us, uh, you know, at the tracks. He helps go get all the video and audio stuff when we're kind of bottled up doing other things. Uh, he's also been kind of doing some uh, written pieces about different amenities around racetracks and stuff like that and doing these uh, kind of when you're going down the midway, he's talking to fans and doing videos on that kind of stuff, kind of quizzing them on who drivers are and stuff like that. So some of those like jaywalking kind of mm -hmm. things that uh, Jay Leno does. So we've had a lot of that cool stuff. Taylor Kitchen, of course, has been great as well. She's done a, a phenomenal job with our, mm -hmm. our YouTube platform, which has been great. Brian was her first interview ever, by the way, which was really cool. Oh, and I it was, I like, was her first. Yeah, Did not it know that. Like a, yeah, it happened like a week after I went down to the shop and I didn't even coordinate any of it. I, was, I literally got back <laughs> from the shop and she's like, hey, I was talking to this Brian Murphy guy about I was like, that would be great. He's excellent. Yeah, go ahead and talk to him. So, uh, so good. no, she's done great. And it's really cool to see them all kind of flourishing and, and kind of really getting their own voice in, in the space. It's really cool to see. Yeah, no, that is cool. Definitely uh, uh, fun to watch and, and see where things then develop for you and your team, uh, especially as things uh, move on as we get closer to November and the championship uh, out there. So let's move into Pocono. I'm very curious to kind of get your guys' insights on a few things. Brian, yours particular when it comes to the Fords, uh, because I've been hearing some conversations uh, on my end of things. But obviously the series moves to Pocono this week. Uh, we can talk about what tracks is it comp with. Uh, Brian loves that when we talk about you know, comparable tracks uh, to to certain venues. But Pocono is celebrating their 50th anniversary in NASCAR, which is really cool uh, to see how long they've been a part of it. NASCAR obviously celebrating their 75th year uh, as a sport. And, you know, there are a lot of memories that have come from it. But, you know, kind of going into this weekend, uh, curious to hear from you, Toby, what is, what is something that you're going to be watching for, especially in the Cup Series side as we go into Sunday? Yeah, I'm going to watch uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. They kind of seem to come on okay. in these summer months. And, uh, you know, they were really good here last year. They had the top two finishers, obviously got TQ'd out of the top yep. two spots. Uh, but they always seem to bring speed at these these summer tracks. And uh, Martin Church Jr. is kind of feeling it right now. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll also be interesting to see if Danny Hamlin can kind of wake up a little bit. Like, he's been finishing fifth, seventh, somewhere in that mm -hmm. range. But uh, this is typically the time of the year where he kind of steps up and starts getting a few wins and bunches as well. So, uh, that's kind of what I have my eye on. But uh, I think also last year, I'm pretty sure the, the track house guys are performing pretty well here at Pocono as well. Yes. Uh, so I'm interested to see if they can kind of back that up as well. So uh, yeah. those are the kind of those are the guys I have my 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 eyes on this week. 
Yeah, I think that's good. I know Chastain was running well last year. Ultimately, I think he finished about 35th or so. Uh, yeah, he had Hamlin. the thing with Hamlin, right? Yeah. Hamlin, yeah, as I said, Hamlin politely <laughs> put him into the wall. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, Brian, for you and, and SHR over there, that ruined Kevin Harvick's day, uh, ruined my day uh, as well for a few aspects. Uh, I was rooting very hard for Kevin Harvick uh, to do well. But yeah, uh, Suarez, this is one of his better tracks. I think he finished top five at ultimately was scored with a third place finish so it'll be interesting to see jgr track house how they do brian one thing i'm curious from you uh and i want to then hear kind of what one thing you're looking at but i hear a lot of talk this week there's not a lot of love for the fords now toby you were saying maybe the fords are starting to pick it up a little bit will we start to see in your estimation brian a little bit of a resurgence with fords because it just feels like as a whole they've been lacking last week was Good representation. Blaney, Logano, Almirola, uh, you know, ran well Harvick as well. Kislowski, yep, thank mm -hmm. you. Yep, as well. So a lot of good uh Ford drivers there were inside the top 10. What is your outlook from a Ford standpoint specifically going into Pocono? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, Pocono is an intermediate. It is a unique racetrack, but True. it's definitely not a short track uh, where the Fords have you know excelled in, in many ways. You know, I just I, I don't see the Fords being as dominant at a track like this as they were maybe at New Hampshire. And, you know, mm -hmm. we've seen all year long that maybe one or two Fords can run fast. There has been a few races where there maybe hasn't even been one Ford in the top 10. But for the most part, there's always one Ford that kind of surprises everybody. And that goes back to me saying, you know, if if the day goes well, if the driver hits his marks, if the team brings a fast race car, the Fords can't compete. They can. the The speed is there. The opportunity is there. Now, does do, does this platform? Do these Ford teams need way too much to go right to win a race or run competitively as a whole? Absolutely. There's there's something missing there somewhere. And um, you know, so that's that's not to say that every Ford's going to be bad this week. That's not to say Harvick couldn't go out and win. That's not to say you know Joey Logano could go out to win. But as a whole, I just don't see the Ford showing up and being strong this week. Um, you know, Pocono is one of my favorite tracks on the on the circuit for many reasons. It's unique. It really stresses every component, every uh, every element of, of a race car. You have to have massive horsepower to chase down these straightaways. You have to have great handling, great downforce through the corners. Um, you know, and your brake package and things like that have to be you know in tip top shape. I think could be wrong. Did we not see a brake failure too last year at this track? Um, I believe. I believe we. Oh, yeah. I believe we saw a couple crashes due to it. I don't think they were classified yeah. as brakes on the on the out of why they were out, but yeah, I believe we did have some. So this failures. this track with with the heavy braking, the long straightaways, we we could see some brake issues here that you know we see a lot at Gateway things like that with the the massive mm -hmm. temperature swings. So, um, you know, it's just an interesting racetrack. It's also one of my favorite to to visit. The area is absolutely gorgeous. The people are fun. The parting at this racetrack is. It's fighting, fighting for a top five venue to go to and visit. I, I love this place. And, and actually, I had it lined up. I mean, I told Derek I was going to head to Pocono yep. this year. Um, you know, the people over there reached out to me. And, and I was really excited about the possible opportunities I was going to have to go there and help them and hang out with the fans. And uh, obviously, just for personal reasons, it just didn't work out this year. But I'm telling you, Pocono is a great place to go. Puts on some fantastic racing. It, it may not be your... Uh, drama soap opera filled racing, but it is a fantastic racing product. And I'm really excited for this weekend. I'm really excited to see, as Toby said, these these Joe Gibbs cars. I, I've said it the last couple weeks. Um, this is the time when teams need to go out and showcase a mistake-free race. 
It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be dominant like we saw Martin Truex last last week, but a team that can minimize those pit stop mistakes, a team that can um, you know minimize any pit road mistakes, really any kind of driving mistakes. To see a driver that's that's tuned in, honed in, um, and a team that has their swagger, this this is when that needs to come out of a championship winning team, and and I think you're going to see it a lot at this racetrack for sure. So one thing I'm curious about, you talked about uh, the Fords. Toby, what do you think? Because we've seen, you were mentioning maybe a little bit of a resurgence, and this is a larger style track where horsepower is everything. Do you think we see a number of the Fords up in the mix then this week, along with JGR, like you were kind of highlighting? Well, you talk about horsepower, and I don't think anybody makes any more horsepower than Doug Gates. So that's that's True. a good thing for the Fords. But uh, I'm with Brian. I think uh, they are still at a disadvantage, even if they're starting to come up uh, on things a little bit. Now, I, I, I have to say that Joey Logano said after the race, they were trying some new stuff this past weekend. Brian, I don't have the intricacies of what can be changed if you feel like you're behind going into a race or into a season. Hmm. What is it with this next-gen car they're able to even tinker with to try to get something new to kind of put themselves back in a position to, to win races? I, I mean, to be honest, there's almost more to tinker with and, and change than the Gen 6 car. And I say that in a, in a strange way. You can definitely mess yourself up quicker uh, and this car, then you, you can in the old car and old car, you're kind of just slammed down the ground. These cars are also slammed down the ground. But the other thing that came into a factor was, um, the way you position this car in the air. So the last car, there was a ton of suspension changes and set up to position the car to create a, a ton of downforce, a ton of side force. This car, it, it feeds, you have to feed this underbody. And the more you feed it, the more powerful it is. The more yaw you have, the less downforce this underbody is going to create. So there's so many ways to pitch this car in a good or bad way. Um, and, and that's not even to take into account just creating mechanical grip. Um, there's, and there is a lot of options on these front rear cl- clips to place suspension pieces, to place um, body component, components. So, um, you know, as generic or Walmart or cookie cutter as this car may, you know, seem to be from the outside in it comes with a lot of options that can both build or lose speed so um yeah and, and again the, the the aero platforms uh are, are massive in this in in the gen 7 era so uh it, it's interesting to hear that though coming from a race car to short track where you know we see upwards of depending on which track 50 to 80 percent loss of downforce efficiency with the speeds you're going in the center of the corner so uh, I would say a lot of that he was talking about was probably a search of mechanical rip at uh, mechanical grip at a loss of aerodynamic grip. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if anything paid off last week to uh, bring some speed to Pocono this week. And now, how nervous do you think you have to be if you're Martin Truex Jr. too? Because you've had kind of the field covered at these tracks where we have the current short track package, and now we're going to be doing testing to possibly change the short track package. Like, I mean, that's I, if I were him and I'm in his position, I'd be kind of nervous about that because it looks like right now if we're going to the Phoenix tomorrow. Martin Truex Jr. has got a pretty good chance to win this thing. Yeah. And I don't think these updates are going to be implemented this year. I don't. Um, so I, I for this year, I, I, if I'm Martin Truex, I'm as cocky and arrogant and I'm ready to go and just swing <laughs> at whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I think he's got that swagger Tony Stewart had in 2011 and deservingly so. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see these splitter changes again. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen, uh, with something of this magnitude and it, it just can't happen this year. You can't expect these teams to go out and buy new splitters, do the R and D, 
especially at this point in the season. So I, I think the early on changes they did to the downforce uh, was fantastic. I think it was a great direction, but you know, we need to, at some point, and I, we've said it again and over and over that this isn't necessarily, no, it's not necessarily, it is not only an aerodynamic issue. There are bigger problems at hand, whether it be tire compounds, shifting, um, whatever it may be. Again, you go to these racetracks at Martinsville, you can do whatever you want to the splitter. We're losing 80% of our downforce in the center of the corner. So that is not going to fix what we are seeing. I think the product is fairly okay, but with the amount of, you know, uh comments we're getting from the fans you're not going to get a change out of the aerodynamic side that is going to make them happy and what and, and produce what they're looking for you know brian one question i thought of uh, as you were talking there you were talking about the brake rotors and we've seen the 42 car specifically i'll use him as an example unfortunately noah's had a couple uh fairly big hits gateway being one and then last week obviously uh in, in the wall as well are brake rotors becoming more is that an independent issue to certain teams or is that you know because NASCAR is given all these parts and pieces. Is this something that we need to really be paying attention to this weekend in Pocono? I think it's a couple of things. And I think Pocono, again, as I said, is is a great facility to have brake rotor problems. Um, you got a lot of brake use, a lot of brake use uh, mixed with some long straightaways and a lot of cooling ability that's, that's going to see some massive temperature swings within these brake rotors. You know, the other thing is when I was at Stuart Haas, Cole Custer was always notoriously horribly hard on brakes and for whatever reason um but he would come back even in the gen 6 era with cracked rotors um overheated rotors so there's so many things that could be going on both you know on uh on a track side on a team side but even you know the driving characteristics of, of each particular driver can absolutely have an effect on on you know how much wear a rotor or pad sees or you know whether or not it explodes if you're going to lose a brake rotor, you don't want it to be in turn one. That's for sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is one of the worst. And we've no. seen, unfortunately, was Jeff Gordon, a few other instances where Drew Johnson, uh, Bubba Wallace. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, I'm telling you, but Pocono, I love it for a couple of reasons. People always, you know, their jaws hit the floor and it is one of the maximum tests of, of man and machine when we go that racetrack. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Toby, are you uh, allowed to give us a pick for maybe who you think is going to win this week? Oh, man, I can always give you a pick. Uh, Love that. I'm not, I'm not tied to not giving picks. Uh, man, I would say yeah, I, I would have to go with one of the Joe Gibbs cars, just from what we've been saying. Uh, and just based on past experience, I would have to say it's Hamlin. Uh, he's okay. the guy that's really had Pocono covered over the years. Mm-hmm. Won both races his rookie year. Uh, has won, what, a total of six races there in his career now. Mm-hmm. Uh, would right. have seven. Had not, the last year's not been DQ'd, so... Uh, I think Denny Hamlin's the guy to be chasing here, especially with how the Joe Gibbs cars have really kind of come to life the last few weeks. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Truex or even Christopher Bell, who I think ran pretty well there last year, uh, step up and get it done too. What about Ty Gibbs? He, he's a guy that, you know, obviously got his first start here last year. Kurt Busch, unfortunately, had his incident in uh, qualifying. Ty Gibbs, what do you think about him coming in this week, now getting a full year under his belt? I know it's interesting to say for a rookie, a full year, and we're kind of in the just past the midway point of the season. What do you think of Ty Gibbs, especially for this week? Yeah, I think this is a, a big uh, kind of judgment to see where he is in his development because mm-hmm. this is the first time really that he'll be coming back to something for the second time at least a big technical track like like pocono uh this will be a good one to kind of gauge where he's at uh and he kind of came in under harsh situations last year where he wasn't expected to be in the car uh and things like that and still delivered a pretty good result so 
he's also one of those guys really good at road racing and stuff like that. And Pocono has a lot of those same aspects, the, the high braking uh, uh, corners and stuff like that. A lot of road racers typically do decent at Pocono. Um, so it'd be interesting. I, I think he is an interesting play, especially if you're in the, the DFS space and stuff like that. I think he's a guy that a lot of people might not be picking. Uh, that could come up and then get a solid top 10, maybe even top five. And if everything works well, weird strategy plays out. Who knows what could happen, but he could win a race. And motorsports is such a weird thing. You know, we saw a couple years ago where um, Kyle Busch, he, he struggled even in the Joe Gibbs camp and, and just couldn't just couldn't produce the speed or, or the performance that both him and the team are looking for. We got another guy doing that right now, and that's Chase Elliott. What are you hearing about Chase Elliott? And what do you think? Uh, he has to do to make the playoffs and does he have to make the playoffs or, or is this just a bad year that, you know, some people have sometimes, I mean, you know, we've seen drivers like Kevin Harvick in 2017, just barely get that one win. We saw him not even get a win, you know, two years ago. So where, where do you put Chase Elliott in this number nine team in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. I mean, I think they're one of those teams that could win at any given time because the Hendrick cars have been good all year long. They just haven't quite executed. And I, a lot of that is you know, due to Chase being in and out so much this year. It's hard when you're not fully in the rhythm. You, you miss one race, you're way behind, especially with this car still being so new, uh, things still being tried out and tested each week pretty much at this point. I feel like one race is big and he's missed seven this year. So um, the fact that he's even within a range to point his way in after missing seven races, I think is should be a testament to how decent they've been. Uh, but I, I think his psyche's hurt a little bit by the fact that his teammates are all winning races and he's not. Uh, but a lot of that is just kind of circumstance. I think it's just from not being in the car for those seven races this year. That's that's a hard thing to overcome. And now you're trying too hard because you're just trying to you know get max points or or win races and then you're kind of just kind of blowing through turns trying to make something happen when you don't really have to if you just kind of bide your time and let it come to you you'd probably be fine uh but it's a lot easier said than done i've never been a race car driver so i'm sure i'd probably be blowing through turns and doing all sorts of weird stupid stuff myself so uh but i think that's kind of the bigger problem for them is just the missed races well i'm going to stay with the chase elliott conversation do you think he makes the playoffs points or win Man, that is a good question. This is another good race that is a determining factor on that. He won this race last year. I know it was by way of the top two being DQ'd, but he's mm-hmm. been very good at Pocono over the years. Uh, he does have some solid races coming up. Road courses uh, are prevalent on the schedule as we head towards the playoffs. So yep. uh, there's a very realistic shot he gets a win. Um, if they get everything right, they don't shoot themselves in the foot, no pit road issues. Uh, he could. I would not be surprised to see him win a race. That being said, I also, the way they've been executing, I wouldn't be surprised to see them not win a race. So uh, it's one of those things. If, if you get good Chase Elliott and good number nine team on any given weekend, they can win the race. Uh, it's just if they can put all the pieces together on a, on a given weekend, uh, that's mm-hmm. what remains to be seen so far. But if they can do that, I, I see no reason they can't win. That was a very good answer going both sides there. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, a little it's bit. one of those things. I, I, I liked mean, it. <laughs> Yeah, we've I've... seen them be the class of the field and we've seen them really struggle so it's one of those things where you've just got to hit everything and another part of that too is alan gustafson he's been working with other drivers throughout the year too working yeah. on what they think is good in a car and now you're back to chase and you gotta get back to the things that work for him and i'm sure a lot of that's hard to to figure out what chase likes compared to what josh barry was liking compared to what jordan taylor was liking at the road quarter road course race he ran as well you know, there's one thing, Brian, I want to get to you and hear who you think is going to win because you obviously called out Martin Truex Jr. Uh, last week. But, Toby, you know, we just had some news break today with Justin Haley going to Rick Ware Racing. Uh, you know, talk about that a little bit. What do you think that's going to be like? And, um, you know, what are some of your thoughts when you saw that news break? 
Yeah, when I saw the news break, I, I felt uh, this signals what we've been kind of seeing from Rick Ware Racing. They're really trying to give it a, a serious effort. They get a lot of heat on social media. A lot of people are like, oh, this team isn't trying. They're just here to, you know, collect prize money or whatever. I really feel like the things you've been seeing, they had the SHR Alliance last year. They've moved over to the RFK Alliance, which is an elevated alliance from what they had over at SHR. And they've just really been, they the, the earmarks are there that they're trying. They're trying to make stuff happen. And now I think bringing in a guy like Justin Haley, who has shown the ability to get those top five finishes on good days at Color Racing, uh, that has wins at every level uh, in the NASCAR National Series ranks and ARCA. Uh, and, you know, committing him to a full season and a multi-year deal with that, uh, I feel speaks volumes to what Rick Ware Racing is trying to do. Um, and it always, it always makes me just shake my head when I see people just kind of, you know, clowning on them on Twitter. I, I just feel bad because when you look at the things they're doing, it shows you from the outside they're trying. Uh, it's just a matter of how long it'll take to kind of turn things to where they are a, you know, top 10 contending team. Uh, but, you know, they signed Justin Haley. They've got that going. The RFK Alliance has been looking really well for them. They've been much more competitive this year. Uh, am I right on that, Brian? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, for me, I think one of the biggest signals that Rick Ware Racing was, you know, turning the page and, and heading in a new direction was the hire of Tommy Baldwin. Um, you know, a lot of the management side that was there previously, in my opinion, wasn't there to win races and and probably from the outside looking in, I'm, I'm just going to say probably didn't have the best interest for the team as a whole uh, when it came to winning cup races. And and Tommy Baldwin was that move that they needed and, and one that is going to carry them into this next chapter and into this next tier of, of teams when it comes to the ability to perform, um, you know, and, and, and again, teaming up with uh, now Haley is, is a very surprising move for me. And, and I have seen a lot of the heat that this team gets on, social media to be honest it's 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 kind of deserved and and i don't mean that in a bad way but it's time for rick ware to prove why they are the a different team than they were not only a year ago but two three and four years ago and they are making the moves to you know do just that to prove to everybody that they deserve uh, a, a position in this grid they deserve a charter and that they're going to start fighting for positions that are going to surprise people if not contend um you know for top tens you know weekly and and you say that with a surprise but you know we've seen bigger teams run worse than we ever expected to and we've seen teams like the 34 go out and and almost point their way into the playoffs right now so yeah rick Ware racing is definitely turning the page they are they are heading in a different direction and and i'm excited to see where they where they end up so what happens, uh, Toby, with that 31 car? Uh, now, if you're privy to information, obviously you can say next question. But what, <laughs> in your estimation, uh, do you think happens there? Man, I, that's a great question because when you start looking at things, uh, you know, I, I, knew, I think it's no surprise at this point. The scuttlebutt's been that A.J. Almanager probably will not be back next year either. Right. So if that's the case, you got two cars to fill. Um, and I don't mm -hmm. know. Uh, Chandler Smith, do you think he's ready for that? I don't know. He's been very good. Uh, in Xfinity, but he's he's definitely still learning, you know, where the edge is, and he's gone over it a few mm -hmm. times. Uh, you know, so that's a good question there. Uh, do they think he's ready? Uh, do they kind of hire uh, somebody else from the Xfinity Series program? You've got Daniel Hemrick uh, uh, that comes to mind. He's had some cup experience, uh, not a whole lot, and it didn't go super great, but that's a possibility. But, I mean, it's one of those mm -hmm. things is Austin Hill. He's been really doing a great job with RCR and Xfinity. He's in the Chevy Pipeline, RCR colleague. They've got their alliance as well. 
Is that a possibility? But I know that Austin Hill has been talking a lot of smack about Colleg throughout the year with how they kind of run him on track too. So is that awkward if they bring him in? I don't know. So there's a lot of weird questions that have to be answered as far as the, the driver lineup for that Colleg team. Uh, but I do think that Justin Haley not being there, I think that hurts uh, for the next year because he was the guy that was consistent. Uh, he didn't tear up a lot of equipment. Uh, and on good days, he was able to get that third to fifth place finish. And uh, you got to find a guy to replace that that's uh, that you feel comfortable with. What about you, Brian? What do you think happens to that 31? I don't know. It's an interesting situation because colleague, I don't know, when you think of teams or owners that have enough money to just set it on fire and walk away without frowning or having a care in the world you think of people like gene haas you think of people like rick hendrick you think of people like penske mm-hmm. all the b2b relationships um this next gen car was was a massive massive uh expense when it came to committing to the year and and running it the way that colleague and, and all the other bigger teams have to be honest rick Ware did the opposite they maybe had two or three cars for a very long time and and they didn't go out and, and spend all the money and do all the things that a lot of the teams did and that's in a way kind of helping them now as they transition into this new phase to be honest colleague may or may not have the money to go out and get whatever driver they want i don't know i don't know how much they want to spend i don't know how much they can spend but from the outside looking in this isn't a team that has just unlimiting funding um so do they need a driver that can bring a maybe a sponsor do they need just a driver that doesn't need to get paid and if what comes with that does that come with um enough performance is this car so different that that you kind of have to get a driver from the cup series or or does a driver from xfinity or or truck series um meet their needs so there's so many questions when it comes to colleague and and the different directions they could go and uh, it'll be It'll be interesting for sure because, again, like I said, you know uh, they have to be a little bit smarter with their money than maybe some other teams. Yeah. Now, let's yeah. ask the guy who's the DFS and gambling expert. Who would you put in the 31 card, Derek? <laughs> oh, I like that Derek, question. Me, uh, I always forget to ask Derek questions. So thanks, Toby. Uh, he always sits have... there and asks, collects, and then, yeah. Yeah, t- time that's, for you. Yeah, that's good. I think that is a good question. You brought up an interesting element about the 16 car maybe being vacant as well. And we've seen uh, some teams shift towards putting younger guys. We saw Harrison Burton go in the 21. We saw Ty Gibbs go in last year. And I get that was a different circumstance. However, they never switched him out. They kept him in there for good reason. Obviously, he was going to get a full-time ride uh, this year in 2023. So I think maybe part of it is you want to pair somebody Young, I don't know if he's necessarily ready yet. He's very young, 21 years old, just turned 21 when we were in Nashville. Chandler Smith, uh, yes, he has you know two kids and a wife and all that. But I put, I think maybe put a younger driver and a veteran driver. So maybe who's kind of being shopped around right right now? Maybe somebody like Michael McDowell's name's been out there a little bit. What happens with him? We know Zane Smith uh, is very much so tied to Ford. Um, so maybe kind of pair that up a little bit if AJ were not was not in fact uh, in the car in 16. So I'm going to say probably just looking at everything. You know, Carson Hosevar is also another very interesting name in that Chevy pipeline as well. I could see him going to the 77 uh, potentially if there was a change made there. Uh, but I, I think it's probably going to be somebody like Chandler Smith. He does come with some good financial backing uh, with some of the t- the companies he's associated with. And when you talk about the B2B elements, Brian, you know, there's not too many or people don't really know the colleague side of things and Matt colleague and all the colleague companies. Now they just had uh, the golf tournament out there uh, in, in their area. And the, the companies that they're a part of or affiliated with is just, they kind of, 
they don't really need a driver necessarily to come in that's going to be bringing in all the money. It's more of a talent thing, uh, maybe. So I'm going to say, you know, keeping it kind of with the trend that we've seen, I'm going to go not really on a limb, but I'm going to say uh, Chandler Smith would be uh, who I think maybe they throw in them because they've been liking everything that they've seen, especially this year. And anything he gets in, it seems like he's been uh, able to win. So, Toby, no, I appreciate I, you asking me that. That was good. Thanks for yeah. involving me in the show. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that, too. And, you know, to your point, if you want to go with a young driver and a veteran driver, so you've picked your young driver with it being you know Chandler Smith uh, or a Carson host of ours available. Yeah. What about the veteran guys? So you start looking at guys who maybe do have funding and stuff like that. Maybe you could lure Justin Allgaier from Junior Motorsports and Xfinity. He's got brand. Mm. Uh, maybe a Brandon Jones, who's kind of always been that Xfinity Series guy. Maybe he wants to run a cup series season. He's always got funding as well. So True. those are two guys in the Chevy pipeline from a veteran aspect that maybe be able to, to fill those gaps as well. Justin's an interesting one. Cause I don't know necessarily if he wants to go to cup. Like I, I think he probably, you know, obviously had a couple stints in cup and, um, you know, did everything that he could. And then getting in the junior motorsports, it's like, I know I'm going to win here. I, I could win a championship here. Uh, and him having a family and everything, it's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a different lifestyle when you get older in the racing element. So uh, I think a guy, you know, that would probably be a little bit, maybe uh, from a veteran a aspect, like I said, um, like I said, it would be uh, like a Michael McDowell or just trying to think of other drivers that maybe could kind of fill in there to kind of give somebody uh, a, a younger, that would be a younger driver in Chandler. So that'll be interesting to see how that one then plays out. I think uh, someone uh, has to have next-gen experience. I think at least one okay. has to have next-gen experience. I don't yeah. think you can have two drivers that have never had a full season under their belt. Correct. Uh, with I feel that's fair. fair. Yeah, I feel that's fair. But Brian, can... Uh, is it true kind of what I was saying there about how younger drivers have been kind of put into this car owners, maybe just throwing in the younger guy and be like, Hey, this is going to be the car for the next X amount of years. Kind of get that experience now uh, instead of putting in a veteran, like we would have seen traditionally for sure. Well, I, you know, I think you saw that with uh, Hendrick at one point when they had Byron um, chase Elliott, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, those those drivers struggled, didn't and we've talked about before where we're rookies, it's tough to get a hold of the grueling length of the schedule and you know, just just how you know, these guys don't mess around on the racetrack. They're out there to win every single lap and, and it's a different series than any other series, you know, in the world, but you know, definitely compared to Xfinity or Truck. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you're willing to to take that time, I still think it takes three to four to five years for a driver to mature in this series. And, and I think Stuart Haas is showing you just that with uh, people like, um, you know, like Cole Custer with Chase Briscoe. They're going to bring Josh Berry in and, and you know, how does he perform? I, I think he's still going to have that little rookie um, low for the next couple mm -hmm. of years, just just as he progresses through this series and and has to tackle all the the problems and all the things that come with it. So, um, yeah, it's possible. I just if I'm calling, there's got to be one driver there with with next gen experience. Mm -hmm. That's one you mentioned the uh, the DFS the the betting world. That would be a fun element to be able to kind of predict in the future of like who fills that 16 car and, and being able to kind of have some different options like we see uh in, in other sports but brian i didn't let you have an opportunity yet to pick a winner and who you think's gonna win this weekend here at pocono so who brian is going to victory lane <laughs> yeah yeah probably he doesn't want to go mm. two for two man i i would pick 
Martin Truex Jr. again, but that's just that's impossible, Chalk. right? Um, you know, I I'm I'm kind of with Toby, and, and he kind of talked me into it a little while ago. I I think it's time for Denny Hamlin to uh, put his foot down and, and remind everybody that he's here and in the series. Um, not that he's been totally forgotten. I don't want to say that, but uh, you know, I feel like we've reached this point the last couple of years, handful of years, and and he's been a guy that people have been like, watch him. Uh, he's for sure a championship mm-hmm. contender, and I don't know if anybody would make him a favorite right now. Um, but you know, him and Chris Gabehart, they they got a lot of great tracks coming up. They got a lot of good things, and as Toby said, they heat up here in the summer months. So I'm really True. excited to uh, to see what Danny Hamlin does this week, and uh, I'm in, he's going to be my pick for sure. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, you guys are staying in the JGR camp. So, uh, Toby, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and joining us here today and uh, kind of hearing a little bit about your story, your background, and also uh, being able to talk about your team. And uh, can you just tell the listening audience how to uh, best support you and everything that you got going on? Yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, tobychristie.com. Uh, you can find us at tobychristie.com for like all the ads and all that stuff uh just share our stuff uh read our stuff that's what people are doing right now is honestly the best thing you can do for us i mean we don't ask for a lot of stuff uh we've got like different uh, avenues we've got a daily email newsletter which is free you can also do a paid version where we sometimes send uh you know audio uh, from interviews and stuff like mm-hmm. that uh, if that's something you're into uh but again we don't we don't go out there begging people for money uh and stuff like that we like to just provide our service and let people read it and uh, and that's the the whole thing. So as long as people are reading our stuff, that's that's the the best thing we can ask people to do to to help our team. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate again you coming on and joining us, and uh, looking forward to connecting with you here at a track uh, coming up soon. So hopefully uh, sometime before now in Phoenix, uh, we'll be able to do that. So thank you again, Toby. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, guys. And I'm about to swing by Brian's house at some point. He's always cooking something out on that grill, man. I need to check that thing out sometime. <laughs> we're actually uh, we're, we're having it Tuesday. I'm cooking a giant turkey. And me and my wife, especially my wife's family, she they love Christmas. I mean, who doesn't love Christmas? But they it looks like sand threw up all over their house for two months um, at the end of every year. Um, so we are having a Christmas party on Tuesday. We're going to cook a turkey. Uh, we're going to have about 12 to 15 people come over. And the only thing you have to do is you have to bring two toys wrapped and we're going to donate them to uh, a local, um, that's cool. A local children's home. So really excited to do that. But uh, yeah, uh, keep your eye on my page. Cause I got some more stuff <laughs> I'm going to be cooking here in the next couple of days. I'm always seeing it. I'm always like, man, it always comes at times where I'm hungry. I'm like, ah, oh, I, I got to find out where Brian lives. I need to go down there. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to throw a big NASCAR party sometime and, and invite just to see who shows up, which could be a problem. But you know, if I cook, three briskets and a bunch of other stuff. I can feed 40 or 50 people. I don't know if that many people will show up, but maybe they will. I guess I you had the tomahawks or something there today. If you put those out there, I think you'll be covered no matter how many people show <laughs> yeah, up. Those, those were fun. That was, that was a bucket list cook. So there's been a couple more things that, uh, that I have on my list for that trigger, but uh, I'm working hard, not only on fixing France, Francis here in the next couple months, but also making myself a, an offset smoker so I can uh, do some bigger cooks. But, there's a couple more things. That tomahawk was definitely one of the last things on the, the bucket list. And man, was it good. I'm telling you, if you guys don't have a Traeger, go out and buy one. My life is, it's it's BT and AT, before Traeger and after Traeger. 
I love it. Now you got me hungry. So now I'm going to have to go find out what I'm going to eat. And uh, you, like you said, whenever, I, Brian, whenever you're posting those photos, it's always good. So, Toby, thank you again. Really appreciate it. And Brian, have a good rest of your week with everything you got going on with Francis and uh, Babyface and all that. So thank you, man. And that will conclude this episode of All Things Go. Make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And be sure to follow Toby Christie on all his available social media accounts as well. For Brian Murphy, I'm Derek Yoder, and we'll catch you next time for episode 33.